Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. This morning, um, I get the privilege to, to speak to you guys through Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, we're going to be in that in just a minute. But first, so if you've been coming for a little while, there's been something that I've mentioned on stage multiple times, uh, usually as we're wrapping up the service or something. I like to talk about this little restaurant in Greenbrier called Taco Local. How many of you have ever been to Taco Local? Okay. Several, yes, right? That, it has my heart too, okay? Taco Local is one of my favorite places in Greenbrier to eat. And in fact, on Sundays, you really have two big decisions to make. We either Mojo's or Taco Local, if you can get in after the service. If, I'm just going to tell you a little hint. If you come to the early service, you can get to Taco Local earlier than the rest of the crowd. So Taco Local, but besides the food, that, I mean, they're just incredible people. Sergio is a, is a buddy of mine, and he has come through in a pinch in so many different ways and serving families and and feeding teams and so I encourage you to go check out Taco Local if you've never been there but one thing that you see in Taco Local besides the food name what is one thing that stands out to you when you walk into Taco Local just one thing that just comes to your mind when you think of Taco Local Bob Ross, yes, I, man, I love it. They got it the first service too, and it was just like this. It was perfect. Bob Ross, right? You go in, and not only do you get great food, but you get to watch quality entertainment on TV with Bob Ross and his happy little paintings, right? If I had the fro, I would do the whole thing now. But you get to watch Bob Ross. I grew up uh, going to my, my grandparents' house in the summers and spending time, and I would watch Bob Ross on TV there. That was what we did. It was, if it wasn't cartoons, it was Bob Ross. And I, as a kid, I used to love painting and I used to love to draw and I've got notebooks of drawings and, and mostly drawings of Ninja Turtles, right? Because that was the era that, that I grew up in. But every once in a while, you'd get this Bob Ross landscape. And so, but how Bob Ross would come about with his, with his paintings, I mean, he would start from nothing. And by the end of the, the hour-long episode, you're like amazed at how he got to this point. I, just, just watch this for a sec. Hi, welcome back. So I'm glad you could join us today. I thought today I'd show you a little painting that is so simple that even if you've never painted, you can do this with a guarantee. In fact, there's one of the little paintings that you see in the opening. I thought maybe we'd show you how that was done. So I'll tell you what. Let me show you what I've got up here. Today I just have a plain old double prime canvas and I painted it with black gesso that allowed the black gesso to dry completely. So it's, it's totally dry. And we're going to start out today and just use a, we'll just use a paper towel that I've wadded up here. And I'm going to show you how to take gesso. we we'll use black, white, and gray gesso in different combinations up here. And I'll show you how to make a little back painting and then we'll come back and I'll put a canvas up that has a finished gesso painting on it, and I'll show you how to color it. It's that easy. It's harder to tell you than it is to show you. So we'll just take our little paper towel, and I've just got a little plastic tray here that I, that I picked up. And I'm just going to dip a paper towel, see, right into a little bit of gesso. And let's go right up here. First thing we want to do is figure out where our light source is. And all you have to do, maybe it's right here, just a little bit off center. 
So he starts out his painting, and he, this blank canvas, and he kind of explains it. It's this blank canvas, and then he paints this black gesso over it, and he starts from nothing. And then all of a sudden, the, what he said was it's easier to show you than it is to tell you. I mean, that kind of amazes me right there, because he starts with this blob on this canvas. And if I'd show you the end results, it's this nightscape through some trees and all this kind of crazy. And it always amazed me at how Bob Ross would get to the finished product from where he started. You see, he was the creator of his, of his paintings, and he always had this design in mind. He always had this end result that he had in mind. And so he would take this blop. He'd take his, his paper towel and, and, and do the light source. And then he'd smear it a little bit, and then he would take his brush and do some other stuff, and then it was always the scraper that got me. He would get his, his palette, and he'd scrape the paint, and then all of a sudden this one line that he makes could become a mountainscape, it could become trees, and it was always amazing to me where he would get or how he would get to the end result. Every once in a while, you'd see these happy little accidents that Bob Ross would have, these happy little accidents or mistakes that would be made but in the end it would turn out to be something beautiful well that's kind of what we are talking about today in Jeremiah chapter 18 but first before we get there I'm going to give you a little backstory of where the the people of Judah are and we're going to start in verse in chapter 17 and we're going to st start talking in verse 1 about the sin of Judah, the sin of Judah. It says this in verse 1, it says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. With a point of diamond, it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. What God is saying to Jeremiah is, Hey, the people of Judah have turned their backs so much on me. They have turned away and ran away from me so much that it is, it is engraved on their heart, sin. That that's all that they know. That's all that they are feeling. That is their actions. I mean, everything they do is en engulfed in sin. God goes on in, in verse 7. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. This is God talking. He said, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. We heard this just a few weeks ago with, with Bailey and talking through Psalm 23. It says, and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. That's the person who trusts in the Lord, whose ways follow after the Lord. It does not cease to bear fruit. It goes on, verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? It's, it's alluding back to the hearts of the people. And I love what he says in verse 10. It says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. See, what God is saying is what he's doing is, is he's looking at the heart of his people. He is looking at the minds of his people. And, and right now, his people's minds and hearts were so far away from him that they are going to get what is coming out. That the, the result of their actions is not the fruit that God wanted. He is looking at your heart. He is looking at our minds. And this is where we, we begin our passage today. See, God is always in control. 
God is always working. He is, he is shaping us. He is shaping his people for his purpose. And in the next few chapters, God gives Jeremiah these tasks to do. Because Jeremiah is pleading at this point. He's saying, God, what do I do? How do I get the people to turn back to you? And he, he says first, he says, go to the people's gates. This is later on in chapter 17. It says, go to the people's gates and stand outside the gate and, and say, repent, come back to me. He says, give them an emphasis and, and tell them to keep the Sabbath day holy. Well, that didn't work. And so he, he again, he goes, go down to the potter's house and there I will show you my answer. I will give you a lesson. And that's where we're going to be today. I, I want to give you one big idea of, of my sermon today. And if you don't go away with anything but this, I, I'll be happy. Your purpose and blessing are in the hands of the potter. Your purpose and your blessing is in the hands of the potter. Let me pray for us. God, you are so good. God, as we dive into your word, as we dive into your, your scripture, God, I just pray that you just open our hearts and our minds to receive you this morning. God, to hear your word and to apply it to our lives, God, that we can leave here and, and know what you are calling us to do. God, you are so good. You are so merciful and gracious. We love you. We thank you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 18, and we're going to read the first 10 verses. It says this in verse 1. It says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord says, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went to the potter's house, and there he was working at his will. He gets up, and he goes, and, and he sees the potter is already at work. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to do. I'm just going to stop for just a second. What it talks about when it's talking about the, the vessel was spoiled in the potter's hands is it lost its form. There was some imperfection in it, and the, the, the pottery or the clay was, was lost. It lost its form. And so what the potter did is he took it, and instead of just giving up, instead of just throwing it to the side, he begins to rework this pottery or this vessel into what he seemed good for it. It comes into play later. He had an idea where the pottery was supposed to go, where the vessel was going to lead. Verse 5, it says, The word of the Lord then came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in, the hand, in, or so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intend to do with it. What he's saying is, hey, I've got destruction coming. And if I plan destruction, if I plan to take out any nation, if I plan to do that and my nation turns from their evil ways and comes back to me, I will relent. I'll say, no, I'm, I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to continue to build you up. He said, I will turn from that if they turn to me. And then it goes on, it says, But at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I intend to do to it. 
He's saying the opposite is true. He says, I am always taking watch over my people and the hearts and the minds of the people. If I say I'm going to do good to it and they turn from me, I'm watching that. And so as I'm reading this passage over the last few weeks, I'm really taking note of, of the potter and, and, and who the potter is in our lives. God is the potter. God is always in control in our lives. See, your purpose and blessing are in the hands of the potter. And so this morning, I'm going to give you just a little lesson that I learned from the potter. And I think to be able to do that, we need to truly understand kind of what it takes, what goes into pottery, right? How many of you have ever taken a pottery class in your life? One, two, okay, three, a few of you. See, when I first thought of pottery, you know, how many of you as a kid ever went to Sunday school and come home with one of those little pottery, supposed to be bowls, right? You see that the multicolored and it's awesome and you set it on your fridge, on the top of your fridge or on your thing for just a week or two and then it finds its way somewhere else, right? I've been there. That's where I thought, that's where my mind went. But then I started studying, okay, what all goes into pottery? And it's a pretty in-depth process. And so here's, here's what happens. The first step is the design process. The potter has to have a design in mind. The potter doesn't just take the clay and just throw it on there and boom, it's, it's ready to go. But he has to have a design in mind. He has to know what the end product is. Bob Ross had a design in mind from a blank canvas. He knew where he was going. So does the potter. So he goes and has this design, and then step two, you start to make the, the vessel, the vase, the bowl, whatever it is, the clay pot. And he starts to make it and work it, and he brings in the water and the oils in order to get the perfect consistency. And so as he's making it into the consistency, he may leave it for a little bit and let it, let it settle and go do something else and, and then come back to it and he begins to work it again. He begins to work it and make it into whatever the vessel is. Once he gets it about right, he sets it aside sometimes for over a week. It's a pretty in-depth process. It's this process of waiting for it to be the perfect consistency. So, first thing I learned from the potter is we find our purpose in the waiting. We find our purpose in the waiting. There's, there's so many times in life where, where I've, I've taken my kids and I say, I've got a surprise for you or we're going somewhere. And, and I always get this question, well, what's it going to look like? Where are we going to go? What are we, what's we going to do? And all this stuff. And I always give this answer to them, just wait till we get there. You'll see when we get there. Because I don't want to ruin the surprise. I, I want them to wait to see the surprise, to see the, the, the final thing that we're going to do. And just like the clay pot, the final product, it takes time. The final product takes time. In fact, my story is, is not, I mean, it's, I've told my students this, but I surrendered to the ministry at the age of 17. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting at the Wilds Church Camp in North Carolina. I was sitting there and I surrendered my life to the ministry at that moment. I mean, my life took a, a turn and, and, and I I had life planned out. I was going to school, I was going to play basketball, and I was going to another school, enrolled, had my classes, had my roommate, everything. In that moment when I surrendered my life, everything changed. Went to school for ministry, but here's the thing that 
I had to work through and I had to realize I didn't go to school and then all of a sudden after school I was directly in full-time ministry. It took 13 years before I went into full-time ministry. 13 years. I was 30 whenever I stepped foot and I said, and, and God had the plan for me to go into full-time ministry. 30 years old. 13 years I waited. 13 years I begged God, God, why am I still in this position? Why am I still not in full-time ministry where you're calling me? Why am I going through this process? 13 years of waiting. 13 years of trying to be patient. And if you ask my family, I am not a patient guy. But I had to come to the realization that God was working in those 13 years. If I would have went to full-time ministry right after school, I was not ready for that. I wasn't. Final product takes time. You know, the Bible is, is very clear, and it talks about waiting patiently for the Lord so many times throughout Scripture. And, and in Psalm 27, 14, it says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in His word I put my hope. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Micah 7.7, 7, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for the God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Romans 12.12 12 says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Guys, it may take time to see your purpose and your promise in life, but know that God the potter is always at work. We may not see it on our timetable, but know that God is always at work. You see, we find our purpose in the waiting. We go on after the, the making process, after the potter takes the, the clay and he molds and he sets aside for a week, he, he grabs it again and comes back to it. Then begins this process of trimming the pottery. He takes his knife and he starts to, to trim off the imperfections and he starts to smooth the edges. And, and then it goes into this process of, of fire, this bisking fire. And what happens is he throws it in, it goes into this fire and this fire is set to 1,000 degrees Celsius or over 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, that's That's hot. And what this fire begins to do is it starts to go through and take out all the imperfections in it. It takes out all the rest of the oils. It takes out all the rest of the water, the things that the drying process or the sitting aside process didn't do. It goes through and gets all of that out. Then he goes into this glazing process and where he begins to rework it and glaze it and put the design on it. And then once again, it goes into another fire, the glazing fire at an even hotter temperature. Why? To, per, to make it to where it is perfect, to perfect it, getting all the imperfections out. So the final product is exactly what the potter wanted. You see, we find our purpose in the fire. We find our purpose in the trials that we go through. In fact, one of my favorite books of the Bible is, is James. If you know anything about James, James was the brother of Jesus. And can you just imagine growing up with the perfect son of God in your home, right? And how that is held over your head. 
I mean, probably James just ran from that for his entire life. And Jesus would say, so, I mean, I just imagine this conversation between Jesus and James and how James was always like, nope, I ain't going with that. But until Jesus, or until James saw Jesus hanging on the cross, die for our sins and rise again the third day, that's when life clicked, right? And he writes this book of how just how it how we can follow after jesus the christian lifestyle it says this in james and i think it's just perfect with what we are going on today it says count it all joy brothers when you face trials of various kinds knowing that the working of your faith produces steadfastness or patience let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and blameless or perfect and complete lacking in nothing blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life with which god has promised to those who love him Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that it works out your faith and it produces steadfastness, produces faith or patience, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, I don't know what you guys are going through in life right now. I don't know what trials that, that you have or you face or the hurt or the pain but know that this is not the end. That he is working in these trials, that he is working in these moments to produce patience so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I have a youth pastor buddy of mine that a few years ago put it this way. It's those trials, those moments that you go through and, and you're like, God, why in the world are you allowing me to do this? Why in the world are you allowing me to go through this? My family, it's hurting those moments are the plot twists in life that we don't understand right now, but one of these days it's just gonna click and it's gonna be like, oh, God, I got it. I know. We may not understand it now, but God is always at work. First Peter 5, 6 through 10, it says this. It says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. It says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood all throughout the world. Guys, you are not alone in this. You are not alone in your trials. You are not the only one that has gone through your situation. It says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, it will confirm, strengthen, and establish you. See, God is refining us. He is molding us and making us stronger through every little bump in the road. You see, we find our purpose in the fire. We find our purpose in the trials. The last thing that we need to understand is we also find our purpose in knowing the potter. We find our purpose in knowing the potter. See, clay, it can do nothing on its own. 
I mean, we can sit here and watch it all day, but it is not going to change shape without the hands of the potter. Same thing with you and me. Until the Creator speaks into our life, we can not do anything on our own. We find our purpose in knowing the potter. We find our purpose when God begins to mold us and, and make us into what He wants for us. A few weeks ago, Bailey spoke on Psalm 23, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When we know who our shepherd is, when we know who our potter is, when we know the one that is shaping us, who is leading us on the path of righteousness, the one that is setting us up in, in his perfect place for our lives, when we know who the shepherd is, we'll never want or need again. See, our purpose and blessings are in the hands of the potter. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.